Hello, this is Chloe Yates, writer and narrator, and you're listening to Podcastle, an escape artist podcast. Podcastle, episode 444, for November 29, 2016. The Giant's Lady by Rowena Corey Daniels, rated PG-13. Hello and welcome to Podcastle, where fantasy casts frequent nervous glances at rapidly approaching reality. I'm your host, Graham Dunlop. Before we start, a quick announcement. Podcastle will be closing to submissions from the 1st of December just a couple of days away. This will give our hard-working associate editors a chance to enjoy the holidays along with your good selves. We plan to reopen mid-January 2017. Today we present our final offering for Aurealis Month, The Giant's Lady by Rowena Corey Daniels. And it's fitting that this story ends Aurealis Month as it won the Aurealis Award for Best Fantasy Short Story for 2015. It first appeared in the Legends 2 anthology, Stories in Honour of David Gemmell. Rowena Corey Daniels is a fan of the genre who's been going to conventions since she was 18. Over the years, she's been involved in indie press, run a bookshop, then a graphic art studio. She reared a family of six kids, served on numerous arts committees at a state and national level, and went back to study where she did a master's then taught at university. In her spare time, she studied Taekwondo, Aikido, and Iaido, the art of the samurai sword. And she's written a pile of books. On the internet, you can find her website at www.rowena-corey-daniels.com or find her on Twitter at rcdaniels. Your narrator is Barry Harworth. Barry works as a statistician for the Australian Taxation Office, which is more interesting than you might think. He holds a master's degree in statistics. Outside of work, he's a keen reader of science fiction and enjoys choral singing and taking part in amateur theatricals, having performed such roles as Prospero in The Tempest and Major General Stanley in The Pirates of Penzance. Barry has narrated episodes of Escape Pod, and also the Cheap Astronomy podcast. He lives in Brisbane, Australia with his wife Sylvia, those of his children who haven't left home yet, and whatever the current quota of pets is. He also says, I am a statistician. One false move and you're a statistic. Links will be in the show notes. But now your presence is required by the king. King Vonanjiro, ruler of the Seven Islands, saviour of Pinnacle Isle, greatest king in all the myriad isles. I suggest you go right now, and on the way, enjoy this story. The Giant's Lady by Rowena Corey Daniels As we entered the white-walled courtyard, the music stopped and every islander turned. Weird, they whispered. My lady stood tall, her pale hair glinting in the hot noonday sun. A full-blood Tien throwback, she did not try to hide her hair or her six-fingered hands, and her distinctive wine-dark eyes held quiet defiance. As for me, 
I was not a weird, not even a half-blood, just a freakishly big true man, and an ugly one at that. My lady headed for two seats at the end of a trestle table. By the time we reached it, the table was empty. She sat, turning her long legs to the side. Dropping our travelling bags, I took the opposite seat where I could watch the courtyard gate. Weird, they whispered, and plague-bringer. By chance, last spring we'd arrived on Sundiana Isle, just as the rose plague broke out. My lady did what she could, but the distinctive rose-shaped rash travelled so fast that even a Tien healer could not hold back the tide. Trying to save everyone would have killed her. On Sundana Isle, she'd advised the king to close the port. He'd refused, because the island had been about to host a religious festival. Now, every second trading vessel carried plague across the lagoons of perpetual summer. The mandolin player began a tune, and conversation gradually resumed. No one came to take our order. Meanwhile, several people slipped away discreetly. My lady sent me a wry smile. Shouldn't be long. I loved her. Had loved her from the day she'd rescued me. As tall as a man at twelve, all I had ever known was cruelty and hunger. I could have grown bitter and hard. Instead, I'd tried to understand how those who had been physically blessed could find amusement in my humiliation. The day she'd found them baiting me in a village square, she could have walked away. Instead, she'd offered my master a healing in exchange for me. He'd driven a hard bargain, then reneged on it and tried to capture her for his travelling freak show. In the past, no matter how he'd beaten me, I'd never fought back. That night I held him down while my lady used her gift on him. From then on, whenever he tried to force himself on a woman, his cock would shrivel. My lady, dispenser of justice, how could I not love her? Now, ten years later, I had followed her to the end of the world, to King Vonanjiro's troubled island empire. I'd argued against coming here. War was brewing in the lagoons of perpetual summer. There were too many island kingdoms, ruled by ambitious, petty princelings, and they had too many hungry subjects, with too little arable land. But when my lady had heard that King Vonanjiro's only surviving heir was deathly ill, she'd booked passage, and, whether she realised it or not, Pinnacle Isle had always been her life's destination. Note the palace, Gif. I'd already done so. To please her, I glanced over the tavern's red-tiled roof to the grand white building on the island's only high ground. There were screened verandas to keep the interiors cool, but other than that it was identical to Tien buildings in the north. Pinnacle Palace proves the old stories are true. In her excitement my lady clasped my forearm and I felt her gift stir. My heart raced. According to the stories, Tien power repulsed honest true people, but I loved it. The overflow of her gift made my life more intense, colours richer and scents sharper. Her wine-dark eyes gleamed. They say that when my people arrived, there was nothing around the pinnacle but marshy tidal flats. Now look at it. Between the port wall and the palace were houses, three and four storeys high, packed with true men, women and children. The southerners were small of stature, with golden skin, sleek dark hair and darting black eyes. 
and they were clearly uncomfortable with my lady, legend given life. A pilgrimage to the last home of the wandering weirds I could understand, but I did not see what my lady hoped. My price for saving the king's heir will be access to the palace records. She'd skimmed my mind again. I looked down at her pale fingers curling around my forearm. Touch enhanced her gift. I used to resent her casual mental intrusion, until I realised that forbidding her this intimacy would be like asking a sighted person not to look. Surely you understand, if... She searched my face. I've always wanted to learn where my people went. The wandering weirds sailed west into the endless ocean and were never seen again. She sent me a slanting look. Only the ignorant believe they sailed off the edge of the world. My people must have had a destination. They wouldn't have risked their children. They had no choice. The locals rose up against them. They were great shipbuilders and sailors. True. But it was over six hundred years since the wandering weirds had set sail, and in all that time no one, not Tien or Truman, had arrived from beyond the setting sun. I feared my lady's search would bring her only sorrow. Wordlessly, she squeezed my arm. You there, weird, a man bellowed. I tensed and went to rise, but my lady shook her head, and it was she who straightened slowly, making him come to her as the locals watched. He wore the island king's colours, cerulean blue and silver. His chain of office was bright against the sun-bronzed skin of his broad shoulders, and his sarong sat low on his hips. From his waist hung a nasty scimitar. As he strode across the tavern courtyard, he kicked a foolish fowl aside. A big man indeed. But he had to lift his chin to meet my lady's eyes, and this made him grimace. They say you can heal when all else has failed. Is this true? If I can heal, I do. None of your weird riddles. I want a straight answer. She lifted her hands, palm up. How do I know if I can heal until I see what's wrong with the person? You'll see soon enough. The king commands your presence. Despite his bluster, his words had the ring of a request. Few true people could meet my lady's eyes, and fewer still could hold them and remember what they'd meant to say. I grabbed our travel bags and stood, turning to reveal the deformed side of my face. My head looked as if it had been squeezed while the dough of my skull was still soft, causing my right cheekbone and eye to bulge. The king's man made the sign to ward off evil before leading us out onto the street where half a dozen men formed an escort. Despite the whispers of war, people thronged the marketplace. Spicy scents made my mouth water. The locals stood aside as we passed, and our escort's swift rhythmic jingle filled the growing silence. A small boy darted out, face alive with curiosity. The very next moment, a butcher cuffed him over the ear and dragged him off, muttering, Lazy blood-eye. Blood-eye. Slang for half-blood weird. My lady cast me a troubled look. Slavery was common in the lagoons. If parents became indebted, they indentured their children. But this boy had been unlucky twice over. He combined the southerner's golden skin with a half-blood's mulberry eyes and copper hair so dark it was almost black. More proof, if needed, that weirds had lived here and interbred with the locals. 
So much for King Charles the Conqueror's attempts to eradicate weirds. Banishment had only sent them out into the world, and it hadn't rid his kingdom of their impure blood. Even now, his subjects still produced half-blood babies, and, despite the royal edict, not every tainted babe was exposed at birth. With their vivid colouring, the half-bloods were pretty creatures. What's more, they didn't have the dangerous gifts of the full-bloods. To this day, there was a trade in half-blood infants. Sold as exotic slaves, they were scattered across the mainland. My lady's own parents had been runaways. They'd sacrificed their lives so she could escape capture when she was fifteen. The following winter, she'd rescued me, and I'd been her devoted servant ever since. She was mine to adore and protect, but I could not protect her from herself. I cursed the lagoons of perpetual summer with their hollow legends of lost Tien. Just before we reached the palace gate, a shout went up as our party met a group of wounded kingsmen. There was talk of sundowners attacking. I tried to catch my lady's eye, but her mouth was set. Passing through a beautifully proportioned archway, we entered another white-walled courtyard. As people hurried to help the injured men, my lady hesitated, and I knew she was fighting the urge to heal. Such was the power of her gift. Sometimes it laid her low with mysterious seizures. It was my honour to guard her until she escaped the nightmares. Our escort led us through a rabbit warren of little rooms where true people had divided the once grand Tien chambers. At last we came to a tiled antechamber and were told to wait. I went straight to the window. It was a long way to the port wall and freedom, but I memorised several paths just in case. His Majesty, a servant announced, King Vonanjiro, ruler of the Seven Isles, saviour of Pinnacle Isle, greatest king in all the myriad isles. Vonanjiro swaggered in. White-haired and heavily overweight, he had to be seventy, and yet he wore elaborate armour. According to the stories, he was an iron-willed empire builder. At his age, he should have been a grandfather, but both his marriages had been cursed with stillborns. Only three sons had survived to adulthood, and they had died leading armies to serve his ambition. When the last one fell without issue eight years ago, the king had married for the third time and produced another son, a last precious male heir. My lady and I bowed. Then I introduced her. Last of the legendary Tien, the Lady Shen is blessed with the gift of healing. You claim to be a healer, Lady Shen, the king gestured to me, yet you haven't corrected your manservant's deformity. Ask him why. The king looked at me. I wear the face I was born with, because the only friends I want are those who can see past it. If people dared to ask, they usually approved of my answer, but I swear the king's lips twitched. He turned to my lady. They say you brought plague to Sundown Isle. If so, I thank you for killing my enemies. Plague is everyone's enemy, sire. If you wish to save your people, you will isolate every new ship for ten days. Then, only if the crew and passengers are healthy, let them disembark. He eyed her thoughtfully. You are a long way from home. I am a student of history. 
Is it true your family has ruled in an unbroken line from father to son for over six hundred years? It will be true if you can save my son. He languishes in a mystery illness no medicine man can cure. I will do my best, but you want gold. No matter, the king was dismissive. I rule more islands than any other king of the myriad isles. I was going to say that I can make no promises, and my price is not gold. It is access to the palace records. I'm writing a treatise on your illustrious kingdom. My lady held out her hand. Done? Done! The king grasped her hand briefly. Come! A servant met him at the bedchamber door, reporting on the prince's health as they both approached the bed. Under cover of their conversation, I whispered, What did you sense, my lady? He's not long for this world. He has the sugar sickness. Not that. Can he be trusted? His mind is multi-layered. The deepest part hides behind a wall of stone. I was not surprised. Some true people had the innate ability to shut her out. We entered a dimly lit, sumptuous bedchamber. It was stiflingly hot. Despite the season, a fire burned in a brazier, and heavy brocade curtains shrouded the windows. Semi-precious gems glinted in the candlelight, but my gaze was drawn to the small figure on the huge bed. Whatever I might think of King Vernangiro, I felt for his son. The boy was about six. Slender and pale, he fought to hold his eyes open. The senior servant joined three lower servants. This is Crown Prince Vonanjiro, the king told my lady. The medicine men tried everything, even an elixir of crushed pearls and gold dust dissolved in... He frowned at the corner where a woman stood in the shadows. What's she doing here? The senior servant glanced to the child. Please, father, the boy whispered. Don't send her away. The king grimaced. If she must stay, she's to keep back and remain silent. Trona Nova, the senior servant muttered. It sounded like an insult, but it could have been her name. There was a knock at the door, and a kingsman peered in. Forgive the interruption, sire. There's been an attack on... The king swore and strode out, calling over his shoulder. Bring the healer what she needs. The door no sooner closed than my lady turned to the senior servant. Let in light and fresh air. He did not approve, but he ordered the curtains opened, which revealed a lattice-shrouded veranda. I beckoned a servant, and we went to open the lattice. Who is Trona Nova? I asked softly. Not who, what, the servant said. A Trona Nova is an unacknowledged royal child. She's the boy's sister? Half-sister. I glanced through the archway to the unfortunate woman, seeing only dark hair and eyes. She is... I searched their language for the word that meant illegitimate. She was born outside of the royal bed? The senior servant barked an order, and my informant hurried off. I returned to find my lady examining the young prince. On seeing the painful bruises on his inner arms where the medicine men had bled him, my lady's lips tightened with anger, and a rush of power swept through the room. To me it felt like a fresh breeze, but the boy's unfortunate sister gasped, and the servants looked askance. "'There, that's better,' my lady sounded pleased. 
The boy's unblemished skin made the servants mutter. Fools, what did they expect of a renowned Tian healer? You have been very brave, little man. My lady's voice was like honey on a warm day, rich and sweet. You will sleep, and when you wake, you will be well. You understand? He nodded. Smiling, she pressed the sixth finger of her left hand to his forehead. At her touch, he fell into a deep slumber. Then she stood abruptly, eyes glittering. All of you, out. You too. She gestured to the unfortunate sister. The senior servant protested, but my lady overrode him. My giant will watch the boy. Go. I waited until they were gone. What's wrong? Poison. Her voice shook with anger. Someone has been poisoning the prince. Who has the most to gain? His sister. I gestured to where the unfortunate woman had stood. If he is the last of the king's sons, she would be next in line. Trononova is his sister? The word means unacknowledged royal. My lady frowned. If she's illegitimate, then she can't inherit. I shrugged. Maybe she wants revenge after being passed over in favour of her brothers. The boy loves her. That makes it easier to slip in poison. Perhaps, but I heard rumours of an ambitious nephew. I must warn the king. Meanwhile, don't let anyone in. I caught her arm. Someone in this palace was willing to poison an innocent boy, and she was a hated weird. My lady... Don't worry, Vonanjiro needs my gift. So I sat by the bed to wait. As the afternoon wore on, I heard people in the courtyard. They spoke as if war was inevitable. At least the boy was on the mend. Already his colour had improved. I could not bear the thought of my lady alone and in danger. Coming to my feet, I found my hand on the hilt of my knife and prowled the chamber. In one way, war was good. If the islanders were distracted, we could slip away. Eventually, the sun set across the sea. Night came quickly this far south. My stomach rumbled, and still my lady did not come back. I'd just returned to the chair by the bed when a soft click drew my eye to the fireplace. In the dim light, I saw a panel shift. Was this how the poisoner had reached the prince? Feigning sleep, I snored softly as someone approached cautiously. Judging the moment right, I grabbed the intruder, only to find the unfortunate sister struggling in my arms. You? And to think the boy had defended her. Disgusted, I lifted her off her feet, carried her out to the balcony, and I swung her legs over the rail. She gasped, clutching me. How could you? The prince loves you. And I love him. Not as much as revenge. Your father doesn't acknowledge you, so you poisoned his son to punish him. A wild laugh escaped her. Was she mad? I shook her. Do you deny that you poisoned him? My brother was never in danger. I needed to lure the Lady Shen here. If harm has befallen her, I swear... I would never hurt your lady. My own son is a full-blood weird. I don't believe it. Why not? Thrusting her hand in front of my face, she splayed her fingers. For a heartbeat, I saw nothing wrong. Then I understood. Six fingers. You're a half-blood. Exactly. A trona nova. So the last thing I would do is hurt your lady. 
The moment I released her, she scrambled back over the rail. In the moonlight, her dark copper hair and mulberry eyes looked black. It was hard to pick her age. Around thirty, perhaps. I am not your enemy, Lord Giant. I need Lady Shen to save my son. The king keeps him locked in the dungeon, poor boy. Behind a stone wall. Though Nanjiro hadn't been blocking my lady's gift as much as hiding his secret. The unfortunate sister took my hand. Unless you trust me, Lord Giant, your lady will never leave the palace. My father will imprison her to keep her healing gift for himself. Others have tried. The king is not like other men. Where they have hearts, he has only hunger for power. He might imprison my lady, but she would never... She would agree to protect you, just as he kept me prisoner by... Threatening your son, and the boy's father too, I'll warrant. A thought occurred to me. Was he a half-blood slave? No, she flinched. My own brother. I was aghast. She shuddered. Weird blood has always run strong in our line. My father locked away his Tronanova sons, claiming they'd been stillborn. But why would the king want a throwback? Power. He wants to harness the weird gifts. She grimaced, and her chin trembled. It was too much for my brother. He took his own life. I was going to smother the baby at birth, but he was so helpless. I reached out to her. She shook her head, every bit as determined as her father. The king's gamble paid off. My son has visions. I'm sorry. I hated to destroy her illusions. They're not visions, only hallucinations caused by gift-induced seizures. My lady suffers from them too. My boy saw you. He told me to trust the philosopher with the ruined face. I was still trying to make sense of this when she took my hand, leading me inside. We must go. I can't leave the prince. I promised my... He's safe, and it is not your lady who is in danger. The unfortunate sister drew me across the bedchamber. The king has sent men to... Voices came from the adjoining room, and the connecting door started to open. We ran for the fireplace. I had to bend double to get through the opening, but once inside the secret passage I could stand normally. The panel closed just in time. Then I felt her turn toward me in the dusty dark. In silence we listened, as around half a dozen men entered. Unable to find me, they feared the king's wrath and went to search further afield. I must warn my lady. Do you love her? How could she ask? I'd do anything for her. Then come with me. The unfortunate sister pressed a candle stub into my hand. This place is riddled with secret passages. They'll get us as far as the palace wall. I've made hooded cloaks, but I've never been outside the palace. She struck a spark, and her mulberry eyes gleamed with fanatical determination. You must promise to take my boy with you. Of course. With a little boy to love, my lady would have what she'd been searching for. I won't fail you or her. Voices reached us as more people entered the chamber. The unfortunate sister snuffed the candle. See for yourself, sire, my lady said. Your son is sleeping safely. The poison will be gone by tomorrow. A pause. That's odd. I told Gifron to watch. 
I have your giant locked in my dungeon, the king said. Do you think me a fool, she weird? You come here calling yourself a student of history, but I know you're here for revenge. It was my ancestor, Vonanjuro I, who led the rebellion against your people. He was going to murder them in their beds, but someone sounded the alarm, and the weirds fought their way to their ships. We executed those left behind, put their heads on pikes along the port wall. The only good weird is a tame weird, I say. And that's what you'll be, now that I have your giant. There was a silence, then. What do you want from me? I must live long enough for my son to grow up. By the time I die, he will rule the myriad isles. I want to see Gif. If your men have hurt him, you will heal him. Come. As soon as they left the chamber, I whispered, But I'm not chained up in his dungeon. It is enough that she believes you are. The unfortunate sister lit the candle again. Now we must rescue your lady as well as my boy. We hurried along the secret passage until we came to narrow stairs, built for long-legged weirds. Down and down we went, between walls of sheer rock. We must be below sea level by now. Yes, pity my poor boy. He's never seen the sun. He will, I promise. She cast me a swift look. He said you would have to make a decision, and that we could only hope you would make the right one. What kind of decision? He couldn't say. His visions are only glimpses. There's been no one to teach him how to use his gift. Same as my lady. Learning on the job, you might say. She nodded and kept going. Not far now. A moment later she came to another secret panel. We'll free your lady first. We were about to step into a stone corridor when the jingle of armour told us Kingsman strode past. Once it was safe, we left the secret passage, and at the very next bend we heard the king gloating over my lady. Stay here. I darted around the corner. A guard stood in the doorway with his back to me. Covering the distance in two strides, I caught him in a chokehold. His muffled struggles were enough to alert the king, who turned, reaching for his sword. My lady was quicker. She touched his neck and I felt the overflow of her power as the king collapsed slowly, fighting every step of the way until he lay on the floor, glaring up at us. I put the unconscious guard aside. The unfortunate sister came up behind me. What's going... Her nose wrinkled with distaste. The lady's gift is strong this close. Strange. She should have been used to Tien power. Why... I broke off as voices echoed up the corridor, along with the jingle of approaching kingsmen. I'll go. No, I'll go, the unfortunate sister said. They're used to seeing me down here. Even as she slipped out, my lady told me, Watch the king. Wait. But she didn't listen. A moment later I heard the unfortunate sister chatting to the kingsman. Her tone was casual and I had to admire her. She didn't know my lady was waiting around the corner to help her. I should be with my lady, not here with the king. He watched me, black eyes calculating. She's using you. I drew my knife. Yell and I'll slit your throat. Lady Shen is using you, just like the boy uses his mother. She's addicted to his gift, you know. Would do anything for him. 
she's his mother. And not a bit like my mother, who'd sold me for a quart of ale. Lady Shen rescued me. Of course she did. Look at you. Big as a weird and devoted to her. But all you are is a means to an end. All weirds are eventually corrupted by their own power. That's why my ancestor revolted. We true men must stick together. She trusts you. You can get close enough to... Don't listen to him, the unfortunate sister returned. His words are poison. I'm no fool. The king caught my arm. You're a fool if you trust... Stand back, Giff, my lady said. I must finish what I began. The king's eyes filled with furious terror. My lady crouched over him. If you were really smart, you would have realised that if I can reach inside a body to heal, I can also reach inside to cripple. Why not kill him? the unfortunate sister asked. He would not hesitate to kill you. Death is not justice, my lady said, then touched the king's temple. Power built as she overcame the king's resistance. I had to steady the unfortunate sister. There. My lady stood, wiping her hands on her thighs. Today I have delivered justice for all the half-blood sons and daughters that the king and his forefathers locked up. I've locked him up inside his own body. King Vernangiro glared up at her, all impotent fury. I laughed. Get the guard's keys, my lady told the unfortunate sister. Set the other half-bloods free. Too late, she said, her voice tight with grief. Two of my older brothers were killed while trying to escape, and the last one killed himself. I'm sorry, my lady frowned. Then who did the king lock behind a stone wall? My boy. He's a full-blood throwback, like you. Another throwback? My lady's face lit with hope, and she looked to me. An answering joy filled my heart. We must go. The unfortunate sister retrieved the keys, then ushered us out, locking the door on the paralysed king without a second glance. She retraced our path, past the entrance to the secret passage, then up three steps, where she signalled us to wait. Before I could ask why, she stepped around the corner. It is you, Curdon, she said. He told me you would be on duty the day it happened. What happened? This. Lord Giant. As I stepped around the corner, the man's eyes widened. You've been kind to me and my boy, Curdon. He told me you would have to make a choice. A weird philosopher once said, We are the sum of our life choices. The king could have honoured his bargain with the Lady Shen, but he reneged on it and paid for his treachery. The king is dead, the guard sounded hopeful. He won't be ordering anyone's execution, my lady said, joining us. The guard stiffened with fear. I didn't blame him. Even without touch, I could feel her gift surging like the incoming tide, rising higher each time she forced it down. My lady reached out to Curdon. He jerked back, hit his head and passed out. The unfortunate sister opened the door so I could drag him inside. At first glance, the sumptuous chamber appeared empty. Was the unfortunate sister mad after all? More likely the poor boy was afraid of me. Most people were. 
I turned my hands palm up. We mean no harm, lad. We're here to free you. The unfortunate sister stared into the darkest corner. Adonix, it's time. Still, he did not come out. I strode toward that corner. We must... The words dried in my mouth as I sensed danger hiding in the darkness. Trapped and desperate, the power was rank like a caged predator. Gif, my lady's voice came from a great distance. Put the knife away. I looked down to see the blade in my hand. Did not remember drawing it. Did not want to sheath it. There's dangerous power here. Evil. Not evil. Different. His gift doesn't feel like mine. My lady took my free hand. See through my senses. She found his power rich and enticing. But even as she welcomed the sensation, my instincts screamed a warning. Gifron, please, she whispered. Put the knife away. The unfortunate sister stepped in front of me. Adonix, your grandfather is paralysed. His new wife will claim the throne for her son, or his nephew will take it. Either way, we'll be executed. We must go. Drop the illusion. The intensity of the threat dissipated, and just like that I could see him standing in the dark corner. This was no sweet little boy. He was almost as tall as me, and from his smooth chin had more growing to do. It wouldn't be long before this throwback outmatched me physically. No wonder the true men of old had feared weirds. As the throwback's wary, wine-dark eyes studied me, I was reminded of the legends of dangerous, deceiving Tien. What if he was as power-hungry and conniving as his grandfather, King Vonanjiro? Was I about to unleash the weird of nightmare on true men? The king had been right. The unfortunate sister was addicted to her son's gift and blinded by love. His power was already strong enough to entice my lady. Power corrupted. He would steal her love and I would be alone again. I had to protect my lady from herself. Tension gathered in the weird shoulders, but I could take him. Then I felt his gift rise again. If I wanted to come out of this alive, I had to kill him from a distance. Lord Giant won't hurt you, Adonix, the unfortunate sister said. Get your things. We must leave now. No, his gaze flicked to her. I had another vision. They will recognise you as we try to escape. She laughed. Do you think I care? As long as you're free, nothing matters. Don't say that. He dashed across the chamber and dropped to his knees, hugging her around the waist. Please, don't make me do this, Ma. And just like that, I no longer saw him as a threat. He was the boy his mother loved. Maybe one day he would be the kind of man my lady could love. But right now, he was a half-grown lad who needed our help. Shame filled me. Although the boy's gift still grated on my senses, I refused to be blinded by prejudices. I sheathed my knife. Your mother's right, lad. We should go. I'll fetch the cloaks and travelling packs, the unfortunate sister said. We made it to the secret panel, then out of the palace without mishap. In the confusion of a city preparing for war, no one looked twice at our hooded party. The streets were packed with mustering kingsmen and hurrying crowds. 
Many people carried belongings as they headed for the wharves. Others had come to stay with relatives and were welcomed into homes where the owners were busy boarding up the ground floors. On the port wall, we spotted a ship taking on passengers. We were almost at the gangplank when half a dozen kingsmen came towards us. Keep your heads down, the unfortunate sister warned. But one of the kingsmen pointed. It's the Tronanova. He lunged to grab her arm. I shouldered her aside, pulled his own sword from his waist and shoved him back into his companions. Go! The unfortunate sister urged her son toward the gangplank. Gif, my lady whispered, grief-stricken. Go! I'll hold them while you board. Sweet Gifron, she kissed my ruined cheek. And I felt the searing power of her gift. My heart raced. Everything slowed. There was plenty of time to turn and catch the first attacker's blade, sending him off the port wall into the sea. Two more fell off the other side, onto the crowd below. A roaring filled my head as more kingsmen arrived, carrying torches. As soon as the ship's gangplank was drawn up, I edged around so that a pile of bales protected my back. The ship's sails unfurled. Two more kingsmen fell under my blows. I could feel the rush of my lady's gift drain away. There were too many attackers. I wasn't getting out of this alive, but at least my lady was free and she was no longer alone. My borrowed blade shattered, deflecting a strike. Another blow tore the hilt from my bloody fingers and sliced my thigh. I went down on one knee. So this was how it ended. The king's men held their torches high. As they jostled for the honour of the killing blow, I turned my maimed face toward them and waited. The true men stared, horrified. One pointed. He has the rose rash. Plague! Plague bringer! I had the plague? Impossible. But they backed off. Word spread and people fled. I slumped against the bales with my hand pressed to my thigh. Blood oozed between my fingers as I tried to make sense of what had just happened. At least I could see my lady's ship negotiating the harbour. Word of the plague spread along the port wall. People ran back into the city, carrying the contagion with them. My lady had promised I wouldn't get the plague. How could the scales fell from my eyes. King Vernon Giro had been right. My lady had come here to dispense justice. Long ago, these islanders had turned on her people, stolen their home, and murdered those left behind. To avenge that dark day, she had used me to carry the plague, activating the contagion with a kiss. My heart broke as I sank to the planks. I wanted to die. But I did not bleed out, and as the night passed, I saw fires spring up across the city. There was fighting on the palace wall. Men fell, screaming to their death. The prince's mother and the nephew were battling for the throne. I did not care. My lady had betrayed me. Towards dawn, the fighting subsided, although several fires still burned. I shivered, racked with fever, as I waited for the plague to kill me. Gif! My lady? I must be delirious. She came up the sea steps of the port wall with a storm lantern and the lad, Ardonix. 
As her cool hand cupped my cheek, a wave of power settled my fever and sealed my thigh. It is you. Tears burned my eyes. You came back. Of course. I thought, shame filled me. They thought I had the plague. That was my doing. Her thumb brushed my cheek where she'd kissed me. I branded your skin. They took it for sign of the rose plague. I blinked, confused. She laughed softly. My kiss made them think you had the plague. It was all I could do to protect you. She came to her feet. And now we've come back for you. Help him up, Ardonix. The lad offered his hand, and I took it. King Vernangiro had been right. Power could corrupt. But we had a choice. And welcome back. Rowena has this to say about the story. This story is set in the world of the Outcast Chronicles and the Fall of Fair Isle. In both these series I explore discrimination and persecution of differently abled people. It is a topic that has always fascinated me. I don't want to say too much about the Giant's Lady, only that it's a real challenge to build a fantasy world in the short format and still tell a good story. I was delighted when this story won the Aurealis Award for Best Fantasy Short Story. Moving straight on to feedback now, which is for episode 433, Telling Stories. It was written by Sandra M. O'Dell and narrated by Julie C. Day. This one generated a fair few comments on the forum. Bionic Valkyrie said, Coyote was the best part for me too. From the photo of the girlfriend in the box, I'd pretty much figured out how the story would unfold. Still, I loved listening to the narration. The Squaro and the Gila Monster were so sweet together. Loved the Gila Monster climbing the pleats of the Squaro and the Squaro holding Gila Monster in the crook of its arm. Bounce Swoosh said, I kind of came up with the opposite reaction to Maxilu, which is that rather than the story being smooshed in, which I can also see, it was that the metaphor-comparison was too obvious. It was too obvious even before the explicit references to the POV character and her daughter being lesbian. Maybe the idea was that she finally realised the parallel between the anti-cactus-lizard ideology and the anti-woman-woman ideology, but I didn't find the story naturally taking me along that journey. Oh, but I did love all the characters. I really did. I would love to sit down and have a conversation with any of them. They were well fleshed out. And on our Facebook page, Mike Butler said, I thoroughly enjoyed this story. I enjoy humorous moral stories. I felt I was sitting at the feet of a storyteller around a fire. What were your thoughts on this one? Do come and tell us. Join the forum at forum.escapeartists.net or jump right on over to our Facebook page and say something there. And that's all we have for today. On behalf of everyone here at Podcastle, our forum moderators Talia and Ossicat, our audio producer Peter Wood, our associate editors Arun Jiwa, Setsu Uzume, Christiana Formella, Troy Wiggins, Aidan Doyle, Crystal Claxton, Matt Doby and Raj K. Gopal, our assistant editor Khalida Muhammad Ali, your co-editors Jen R. Albert and myself, 
Thank you for stopping by and sharing in this story with us. We'll be back next week with another. Until then, this is your host, Graham Dunlop, reminding you that forbidding her this intimacy would be like asking a sighted person not to look. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated. It's released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International Licence. Share it all you like, but don't change or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. To find out more about them, check their website at www.shiva-in-exile.de. We rely on you to keep our podcastle flying. You can make a regular donation for as little as $2 a month or a one-off donation of any amount. You can set up donations at the Podcastle website, go to podcastle.org and find the Support Us section down the right-hand side. Emma Forrest said, Time heals all wounds. And if it doesn't, you name them something other than wounds and agree to let them stay.